Welcome everyone to Let's Grow Together with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. We're here to take your questions, comments about any thought in the mental health field that you've got. So you can ask your questions. We're just picking a topic to start off with. But again, you can feel free to have your topic or your question. And the topic that I'd like to just start discussing is the social pressures of Purim. Some of the social pressures that we have on Purim that we go through. I would just like to announce the number for those of you that would like to call in and of course thank everyone for listening and for hosting the show. So the number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. You can listen to us live of course as you're listening on the radio 97.5 and we always thank JRoot for hosting us. You can watch us live on jrootradio.com. You can watch us live on Yeshiva World and on liquidscoop.com. So looking forward to hearing your questions, comments, and those that are coming. So again, the number to call in with your question or comment about anything in the mental health field is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we're requesting that if you have a parenting question, to do it from parenting for kids over the age of nine. That's just a request. So let's start a little with this concept of social pressure and perm. Baruch Hashem, we have amazing Yom Tovim, and it's a large part of what happens is that when we get to a big society, which is a fantastic schus that we have, just thinking about post-war 60, 70 years ago, to think that Klai would look the way we look, no one ever dreamed that it will be that way. On the other hand, Baruch Hashem, that we are that big, now we've got to start dealing with some of the issues that happen when you become a society, we become more systemized. And then it starts becoming less individualized. We become more into a system that people that like to be individual or someone that would like to do something on their own, there now becomes a systematic pressure to follow the norm that we need to be certain ways. So all of a sudden you can have kids telling you, you know, it's not fair. Um, the other one gives out shalach manas, and you might just give shalach manas just the adults. Or you might want to have each kid give out three shalach manas to friends. But the neighbor next door, he gives eight shalach manas. And there are two points about this. Number one, who says he's really giving out eight Maybe he's giving to his brothers and sisters, and that's included with the family considers giving one little thing. Or on the other hand, who said you even want to give any shalachmanas or for kids to give? And we start getting stuck into the pressure what others are doing. The size of the shalachmanas has to be greater. The amount of tzedakah that you're giving has to be in proportion to what people will know. And chasashon, we're not talking about not giving tzedakah. We're just talking about the pressure of doing more than you can or more than is the mitzvah for you. One of the most simplest tools and system ways out there to get out of social pressure is to be aware of it. So many times when we're stuck in the rat race, what happens is we don't think. So we're just following the order. When you follow, then you get stuck without thinking. But if you're able to just feel, take a moment, think, contemplate, you're able to get out of the role. The number to call in to ask your question is 718-683-5858, 718 718-683-5858. And again, for those of you listening in, calling in, um, wanting to watch, you can watch us live on the Lakewood Scoop, on Yeshiva World, and on jrootradio.com. So we want to thank you, all of you guys for holding us. And of course, Jroot Radio, always Harav Nissen, for having this magnificent station going. And Eron, our wonderful technician, which has got this magnificent background, the way he runs everything, takes your callers, and does all that. For those of you that would like to have Eron at your simcha, do your videography for your simcha, the number is... 347 370 
we're going to go and take Yehudas. We're going to take the question Yehudas. And we're also going to allow, because some people ask to text, we'll take one or two text questions. And the number to text the JRoot um, number is 718-927-8398. 718-927-8398. So Yehudas, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Okay, we got it. Okay, um, you asked about social pressure. So if my son is in high school and all the Rebbeim and the Hanhala wants him to go around collecting with all of his friends and he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to drink, he doesn't want to be in all that wildness, what is there for a high school boy to do on Matzah Shabbos? Okay, let's take your question a little bit. Let's, let's turn the question to you a little. Why should a 13-year-old boy not want, a, let's say a high school boy, not want to go with his friends and go collecting? Because um, you've seen the horrible behavior that goes on. Okay, let's clarify horrible behavior that goes on. Now, I just, I'd like um, you to realize what we're doing. Maybe that will help you out. What I'd okay. like for us to recognize is that we've got to be able to balance our system, balance our friends, balance society and, let's say, being an individual, but also belonging to a system. And sometimes in my office, I see a lot of people that weren't able to balance it at a younger years, and then they had difficulties older, and they feel themselves alone, and they feel like a loner. So therefore, what we practice, especially when I get teenagers, when I get a question like this, we want to be able to, that's going to be part of the solution, to teach your son how to balance, how to be with them, when is it okay to be with them, when is he comfortable with them, when is it not okay, if it's not okay, bring the information, I have the teachers, the rebellion, to be aware of what's going on because sometimes there are inappropriate things that go on in groups, and that's very important for parents to deal with. You know what, let's just hold on a second, because I want to go into your question, but I just want to read how another mother just asked your same question on the Lakewood Scoop. On the Lakewood Scoop, we have a question. My 13-year-old son wants to go collecting with his friends. I'm worried that he'll drink when he's going collecting. I told him that he can't go. He's yelling at me, saying that I'm, the, I'm overprotective. He <coughs> says he'll be the only boy not going. Do I give in to social pressures of the world, or do I keep him home like my mother instincts are telling me? Mordechai, what do you think? So your question's a bit different here. Your teenage boy doesn't want to go, but let's, and I'll take it back to you. Let's go back to you, but I just want to realize that this seems to be a huge issue. Not seems to be. This is a huge issue throughout the year. So let's go now to your son. Does your son have friends? Does he fit into the yeshiva? Does he feel he belongs there? Yes. Okay. So in general, he finds their behavior a-okay. Yes. I mean, like everyone else, 80% good. Yes. Okay, so now what doesn't he like about Purim? Is it him or you, first of all, that doesn't want to go? No, it's not me, it's him. I mean, I would not, I wouldn't want him to go, but I'm glad he doesn't want to go, because it, there's smoking, drinking, throwing up, and just and just wildness. Okay, that makes sense, and that's why we have all the Gedolim yelling against it. They have every year called Kairos from Hatzalah. So let's but how come there's no, there's no somebody that's coming out and saying, let's have a masiba that children can go to, boys can go to, and let there be music and dancing, and just, why does it have to be the way it is now, that you must go collecting and running around all night with wildness and smoking and everything else that goes on? So let's, let's put it this way, because we're making it an extreme, while it is an extreme, what's happening, but I also know it also works the other way around. There are guys that they're able to not drink or take groups. Let's say yeshiva, let's make an assumption of 30 boys. Usually the ones that are drinking and getting really high, they're usually that one popular group which everyone's fighting to get into, but there are other groups where people don't drink and don't smoke. Can your son hook up with those groups? 
Was, um, it's, it's, it's a small school. They all go together. So the whole school sort of goes together. I mean, the class, the grade goes together. The class goes together. And it bothers him if other kids are smoking? Is, your, is his concern that he will smoke? What's, what's his issue with it? No, he just finds the whole thing disgusting. <laughs> he finds the whole thing disgusting. Yeah. All right. So. And a lot of his friends do also, so they just stay home. But I just thought, like, it would be nice if something else was going on. So it's not just sitting home doing nothing. Okay, you know, we might even get into a bit of the controversial issue over here. Why do people drink? We'll get there in a second. We'll go there. Is a drop positive, unfortunately. You know, it all starts from a positive place, but it's now getting a little bit out of hand. But we'll go to the positive place. Does your son, again, I'm going to ask it again, does your son fit in? Does he have friends over there? Yes, he does. All right, and he, so even would, he would even go to that um, thing that was um, advertised on your program to learn for two hours, but you have to bring a sponsor. What that means that you need to have a sponsor. You have to you bring a sponsor if you want to do it. You have to get someone to sponsor you. So, so you have to get someone who's willing to pay $250 for him to go there. Okay. I wonder, is that an idea? How about your son asks several people? It starts with you. Just $10. Get a couple of people to be able to ask for $10 or $20. Just sponsor this way. I'm going to learn on Perm. You can go to grandparents. It's not a lot of people. Right, it, it is a choice. It is a choice. That's, you know, probably what he might do. But, but let's I put just... it this way. First of all, your question is definitely fantastic for awareness. And also for those of us listening, um, there start, there's going to have to start being another place where you can go collecting. Well, again, i got to tell you, for most yeshivas where there are bigger groups, like where they have more boys in the class, there are diversity. Means the geschmacke guys that act crazy, the guys that are more idle, they don't always like to mingle together. They like meeting at the end. Here, geschmacke was, and many times the crazy geschmacke groups sometimes make more money. But again, everyone is comfortable with their style. So most yeshivas, you've got several groups. You make friends based on your groups and based on the type of style that you want. So in your okay. case, what would what would you say is your question? I'm just curious if you knew anything else that was going on. I think in the Hasidic circles, they have Masibas going on all night, and I don't think the kids do this type of thing. Aha. That's definitely an interesting question. I don't know what's going on in the Litvish world. In the Hasidic world, it's, they do. Let's say they have a tish. They would have after collecting, everyone gets right. together. In the Litvish world, you do have where you go to your Rebbeim. But uh, like after collecting, usually everyone goes to their Rebbe after that. It's like 1 o'clock where you go to your Rebbeim, 12.30. Like most doors, you, you will, usually can't go collecting after 11.00. Some places they still go to the same four or five houses where everyone's up to 11.30, but usually at 11.30 is when the boys start going to the Rebbeim and they're there for like two, three hours. Sometimes the Rebbeim provide alcohol, sometimes they don't. We're not getting into that right now. But um, that is something that we definitely can focus on. You know, that to know that he can go to his Rebbeim, that's something that people do. Thank you so much. Thank you for that question. The number to call in for your question or comment is 718 683-5858-718-683-5858. And again, talking about social pressures of Purim or any mental health question that you've got. Let's take what we have from the Lakewood Scoop, which is similar to the caller that we have, and that is that is she being an overprotective mother by not letting her son go? And again, the question is that she has a 13-year-old son that wants to go collecting. She doesn't want him to go collecting because she's afraid that maybe he will start, maybe they'll be drinking, and stuff like that will happen. So let's understand, somehow, our society or society itself many times picks an age or the Rebbeim or the Yeshivas pick, this is now healthy, this is appropriate. So you don't have eight-year-old boys going collecting, 
But you do have the 13-year-old boys starting to go collecting at about 12, 13, 14 is when they start going around collecting. And it is sometimes, if society is not doing something safe, it's your job as a parent to make sure that it's okay, that your kid is being safe. On the other hand, if all society is doing something, one of the steps that we need to be able to balance is safety versus going into the outside world. And one of the main steps that we need to do is that you can actually educate your children that they should feel safe. How to be in the outside world and know their boundaries. So one of the steps is what we've just mentioned. Find out if it's in a school, there are several, you, there are several groups. Find out which is quote-unquote the Geschmacke group which might do wild things. So you know which boys in the class are going to do wild points. Next point is find out who's driving. How safe are the drivers? Next point is find out, do the Rebbeim give a schmooze? Is the Rebbe going to see the kids after that? Are they going to find out what's going on? Sometimes the yeshivas can have where the kids in the middle of the group has to call up the Rebbe, make sure everything's okay. You can have your son call you and ask you, is everything okay? Next point is to have that conversation with your children saying, others might do so and so, but for us, it's not acceptable. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And in case you would like to text your question to the JRoot, which we'll also look at is... Um, 718-927-8398. So again, the number to call is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. All right. Well, we got over here actually a lot of text coming on. Let's just take one text over here. Hi, I'm 30 and married with two kids. Just my background. My question is, I have a brother that's an out-of-town yeshiva. He's 16. My father called me and asked if I can speak to my brother because he found out that he started smoking. And my father thinks if I speak to him, it will have more of a chance of him listening. How should I approach this and what should I tell my brother that might help? Thank you very much for your program. Okay. Uh, and the question, and he just finishes off, P.S. I'm a man and I have got, been through the yeshiva system, and I, but I don't smoke. There are two points over here to be concerned about in your question that I hear. Yes, uh, the number to text is uh, 347, sorry, not 718, 347-927-8398. That's 347-927-8398. There are are two points I'd like to mention here. There's number one, having a brother smoking, which is not healthy at 16, which is going through the whole yeshivas, which, Baruch Hashem, as we've said several times, it is getting lower, it's getting less and less which means smoking is getting more and more out of style. Guys are stopping to smoke earlier. Guys are not smoking as much. And it is about a 20-year program, as we see in the Goyish world, that it's not stylish to smoke. You go to a business meeting and you say, you got a cigarette, and they go, oh, you smoke? You won't. You can't smoke in places. People are talking more about health, watching their weight. What exercises are they doing? What diets are they doing? It's more health-minded and that type focused. Now let's get to the point of your question. What happens if you have a 16-year-old brother? Your father asked you to speak to him. Here is problem number one. We need to realize who is the parent and who is the helper. The parent needs to be the parents. Usually when I've got parents asking other siblings to talk to the kids, it's already the first sign of something not healthy. Why isn't the parent doing it? Then they use those words, because they listen better to the other one. They'll listen more to you. Uh-uh. 
then there's a parenting issue going on. You, the parent, need to be able to have that communication with your kid. And if you can't do it directly, then you have an issue. You're afraid to face things. You have certain fears. You have certain... Um, you might be too tough. You might be saying things too many times that you're not respected anymore. Then you've got to learn. And it's an education that's possible to be taught how to learn how to speak to people. Police officers take lessons on how to delegate to people to listen. Um, any field that you go to in the military, when you get to be an officer, you learn how to delegate to people. And I have a very strong opinion that parents need to be taught. It's a training that needs to be taught how to do parenting from ages as I divided between the ages of 2 and 12. And then I put it, let's say, from 10 to 6, from, let's say, 10 to 18 is a whole separate level of parenting skills that are needed. And that is more management skills. And most companies, before anyone is, is upgraded to, to a manager, will give you some level of training. So when you have now a father calling up a married son, you take care of the 16-year-old. So if it's that level where the father didn't speak to him, the father knows about it and wants others to deal with it, not healthy, not healthy, not healthy, very not healthy. Now, if it's a case where the father spoke to him and now he just wants you to give a little chizik, you know, speak to your brother. I know guys smoke, but it's not healthy. It really doesn't pay to ruin your lungs for that. Then that is something that is important that you can do. Yes, siblings are allowed to help each other out, allowed to help out the father, allowed to give reinforcement. Definitely out there, definitely true. But the issue over here that my concern is when father wants another to speak to, then we need to be aware of what's going on and make sure that it remains healthy. So thank you for the question. The number to call in for any of your mental health questions is 718-683-5858-718-683-5858. Let's go take over here another question that we have from, from the JRoot, from the texting. My 15-year-old son doesn't drink or even like beer, but he has two acquaintances who do. He wants to put beer in their Mashallah Manas, saying that they drink it anyway. I'm not comfortable with that. One, he doesn't drink, why should he give? And two, I'd look down on the parents of a boy that would allow their son to give my son beer for Shalach Manas. Okay, and here's where we get into a little bit of a sticky or issue that goes on. And that is that friends and people are into do things, let's say that's quote-unquote, it's fun, it's interesting. And the issue over here is, first, is a legal issue, we need to realize. I like to everyone over here in the Hamish world, like we're Bechlauna Goyrus, legal stuff, drinking age, and all those points. And I think we got to discuss that a little. We're finding a tendency that Bacharim especially, and when they go to Eretz Yisrael, there's a lot of drinking going on. It's becoming more and more normal that Shabbosim, People, they would go to suitors to people and they would drink. With the difficulty and the danger that's happening is with alcohol is it's a substance. It's dangerous. Kids are acting. Kids are drinking more than they can handle. You go, unfortunately, to the emergency room on Purim. You're going to see people passing out very, very high levels and people think it's a joke. It happens to be very serious. Happens to be very serious. There are kids and people that have damage from that. We just don't hear about that. It's not highlighted. Everyone's highlighting and everyone sees the easy cases and everything that's happening on. Speak to a Hatzalah member. You'll see why the G'daylam are so against it. So now, for a Bachar or 15-year-old to want to give his friend a shtick, that's one thing, and people do that. So for you to be aware, yes, there's beer in your fridge and someone does it or they hop a little drink, something like that, to understand that that happens. And your son wants to do it for a shtick. 
And it also depends a lot on who your son is. If your son is a type of guy, the kids are those type of guys. Legally, I'm not getting into but I can understand why he should want to do that. Do you want to give it? Do you not want to give it? Your choice already. But I just want you to be aware, it's not that bad. Let boys be boys. People always used to, at all the ages, try to, let's say, take a cigarette, try it, pass it on. If the friends are smoking, I'm not, if, let's say, in this case, drinking, I'm not personally, this is personal, I'm not that against letting guys just be guys, let boys be boys, let them do their stuff. If you tell me he wants to get him two cases of beer, he wants to get him something that will get him that way, that's something else. But a shtick, smiling, it's something else. Now, if you want the point that you're mentioning, that you would look down, if a boy would give the parents that let a boy give another boy Shalachmanus beer, now that's again your choice to say, hey, you want to do it, do it as a friend. But I can't let you do it, something that will ref reflect on the family. So that point I would mention, just for along those lines. Let's talk a little bit the positive, of the little bit of drinking on Purim. We need to understand why this is there. One of the benefits, and again, this is very sticky and there's going to be a lot of controversy, so I'm not proponent, I'm not for the drinking that goes on. The system that's going on over here where boys are drinking without any hashgacha, without any watching, I feel is dangerous, I feel it's ridiculous, and I also feel it's, it's a huge chil Hashem. And the chil Hashem, I'm not referring to Goyim, because I don't even know if a Goyim is going to see, but it's a chil Hashem to us from Yidin, that when we see, you see a boy walking around the streets, can't stand, laughing, throwing himself at a car, just acting on that complete crazy manner, it's a chilol Hashem. Let's be clear. But let's go to a little bit of positive. When there's nichnas yayin yatzasayid, when someone gets to a little bit of something to release, to calm down, to block that whole blockage, that whole, that let's call it the safety systems where we have, where we're so regulated, and you can just let go a little, there's a release, there's an openness. There's a, you can feel the pain within, you can feel the happiness within. And it's a huge Kiddush Hashem, when you have a Bachar that's a little bit high, not talking about crazy stones with a vomiting all over, no. But that a little bit high, that little bit, and they tell the Rebbe, I want to learn, you know how much I tried learning, it's not going, Rebbe, I want to get closer to you. Yes, some people make fun of that, but you know something? For that Bachar, when he got it open, when he was able to share his emotions, discuss, and the Rebbe tells him, you'll do it, he tuned in, he felt that. Unfortunately for our generation, the only time kids can feel who they are is for alcohol. And we have no other way, and I'm not going into now changing the system, that we need to also implement in the system a way for people to start feeling who they are, feeling special who they are. There is almost very little, I should say, mental health or emotional confidence building in our system. But we're going to get there, and how do I know that? Very simple, because the amount of from social workers that are graduating each and every year is amazing, is staggering. So I would probably use an estimate from knowledge that I would just, just from what I know, so it's probably a lot more, of at least a hundred from social workers graduating each year between men and the women, if not much more. But do you know what that is? If you think about it in numbers, 10 years, having a thousand from social workers, going to yeshivas, going to schools, mental health being aware, even having this program and other programs is a huge change where people are going to be aware. How can I find my happiness? How can I find that need to be able to open up to the world, to the rebbeim, to my emotions that I need to be able to learn? That's happening. And that's what's happening right now. So that point, that this, in, this concept that to be able to find, feel those things that's happening, that is extremely important for us to recognize and for us to identify that when you can have that within, you won't need the alcohol. Unfortunately, right now, the only way a person is able to grow or say to feel himself, to have that let go, to have that 
image, that, that feeling is if someone can drink. So that little bit of alcohol, me personally, I don't find it such an issue. Again, we need to know the legal age and all that stuff to make sure that you're allowed to do it. But again, drinking is a way that a kid can feel, the kid can open up, the kid can share information. And sometimes when people are afraid to let go a little, and again, I'm not talking about through alcohol, but in general, letting go, that's something that they find a difficulty throughout life. They're, it holds them back in business, it holds them back in other places. So there is a positive to the concept. Unfortunately, when you have someone taking more than one or two shots, you're already defeating the purpose. These guys are drinking, throwing up, and it's medically dangerous. It is medically dangerous. People are on different medications, and they gotta drink for social pressure. If you're drinking to feel that high, it's again, that's how addiction starts in alcohol. I can only feel free when I drink. Rabbi what's happening to a society, to a generation, to a world, to a country, that you can only relax recreational. You have to have bars to relax. That's a normal accepted thing in this country. Where do you chill? You go to a bar. Rabbi that's what a society has gotten to. We need to be able to learn how to do it on our own. But that is a focus and a point just for us to be aware of the positive, the reason how it might have started, how it got in. But unfortunately, today's generation, is so there's so little hashgacha or no hashgacha at all on this level that we're stuck. We're going to take Daniel. Daniel, you are on the line with Mordechai. Hi. Um, I first wanted to thank you for your show. It's very educational, and uh, it's helping uh, all facets of uh, you know life as far as parents, teachers, educators, I wanted to thank you for your show. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Um, second of all, I was just listening to the radio and you were mentioning about um, drinking and the, uh, and also healthy ways of um, releasing one's uh, stress for youth or for children. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, I know that uh, it's not the topic today. I was thinking to myself, you know, do you have or do you recommend any books that educators or teachers or parents could read? And they give them basic um, knowledge of, of a child's uh, needs or teenage needs or psych basic psychology. You say this, that you would feel that, you know, an educator, a teacher, a Rebbe could benefit very much from it. Okay. Oh, this is a hard one. And I'll tell you what my difficulty is. The From world, which means there are, let's say, some From Good books, and we're starting to get more and more writers into doing that. So you have Dr. Abraham Tversky about self-esteem, fantastic books. Um, there's Rabbi Zalik Pliskin, fantastic books. You know, he's got so many of them. I'm just thinking offhand of some of the, there are some writers that are coming out in the From world. Unfortunately, most of the books that I like or that I've read were not necessarily from the From books that were read were from the non-Jewish books, and when I recommend them on air, I sometimes get some negative flack from that. So there are some very good books, how to build self-esteem, how to recognize, how to run schools, especially for Rebema, for teachers and educators. And it's not how to run a school, it's how to run your class, how to run your life. And a lot of these points are what I use in my private practice, and you say this, but saying them on air gets a little bit sticky because then where's the hashkafa? And some books do have some trey hashkafa in them. So you need to be able to filter it out. You need to be able to weed them out. And to say on air, this book will be great. I, mean, I could think of two, three books, but I know in each of those books, one chapter, Chas Vishalom, if my teenager would read that. So 
it gets sticky. I mean, to... uh, for Reb, I'm sorry for interrupting you. For Rebbe, who's been teaching years, and I know that, but your question is on air. So we've got several thousand on people it. listening at this moment, and then on the right. phone line, so, we get another couple thousand people a day calling in to listen to the, is the it recording. Possible, like, is it possible that uh, you, you know, know what? Call my, call my. I'll tell you what. You can call my office now. How do I give you my office number without? You know what? Um, text the J root, and I will respond to this number. I'll give you the. Um, uh, okay. Um, text the J root number, and Blinada, I'll respond to that. Okay. All I'll right. So, I'll number. so may I ask you? I'm sorry. I, I don't have the J root number. Good. I'll give it to you. So the number to text is three four seven. Three four seven. Six eight three. Six eight three five. Uh, sorry, I just I just gave you the number to call. Sorry, three four right, seven right. nine two seven three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight eight three nine eight. Yes. Okay. Thank you. All very right. Much. So excellent. Let me ask you. Drop about you, a Rebbe. What do you do, Machanoch? What do you do? I'm I'm a Rebbe, and I'm also a Rav. Okay. And not a full-time Rav assistant of our court. Okay. Sounds great. And, uh, and Thanks. Uh, I appreciate your shows very much. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from them. Yes. Thank you. My pleasure. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Looking forward to taking your question, comment about anything in the mental health field or about the topics that we're discussing now. We're going to take Shindy or Shindy online too. You're on the air with Mordechai. Yeah, that's a sec. Can get you off to speak. Yeah, oh. well, I want to say thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, do you hear me? I'm on speaker and I can't take it off speaker. Yep, I so far we hear you clearly. Okay, I'm going to see you right there. That I think would be a much better idea and we'll try to then bump you ahead of the other callers. So we'll take it. Good. So hang up and yeah. we will wait for your call and then we're going to go to the number to call in with your question or comment to 718 683. 5858-718-683-5858. Okay, we've got over here, um, is it Mutter? I'm not going to go on to smoke something illegal or to drink alcohol. And I need us all to realize that we live in a country of where there are legal rules. And somehow we neglect that. And that's illegal. And it's not right. And those laws are there for purposes, for reasons. And unfortunately, we see how it's going, getting out of hand. This is not at all the Hallelus and the Chil Hashem that we see is definitely not what the Rabbanim had in mind. And the proof to that is not because I'm saying this is not what the Rabbanim had in mind. They gedolim. There are Kol Kairis every single year. You have Hatzalah coming out saying it's Sarkanus Nefashis. They're not joking. We somehow think that, yeah, everyone's afraid. If anyone does not believe that it's serious, go to the emergency room and see what's going on over there, unfortunately. Not one call, not two calls. You speak to Atsala members and you hear what serious calls they get. People are affected, unfortunately, for years from what's happening. We've got to change the system at a level that we get stronger and we start taking care of this. Okay, is Shindy on? Hi. Yes, you're yeah, on now. Thanks for taking my call. I really enjoy your program every week. Thank you. 
my question is not regarding Purim. It's about my daughter. Yes, um, above the age of nine? She's, yes, she's in high school. Okay, great. Okay, the story is like this. She had, she had her close friends in elementary school, which were three other, she had three friends. And when she went to high school, they divided her friends. And there's four classes in ninth grade. Yes. And she stayed. And she stayed without her friends. My question is: She's having a hard time making new friends. Yes. And your question is: That's a that's she, a sentence. What's the question? Yeah, she's having a hard time making new friends, and she let's say they have um, shalshodes or gatherings, and she feels lonely. She doesn't. She misses her old friends. Like, she still has contact with them after school or whatever, but they're not in the same class anymore. Right. So, this question about making friends, I call it new beginnings. And right. that's something that we need to teach teenagers. We need to learn as children. And it goes further than that. We need to learn how to master this, this lesson, this foundation of new beginnings. Because throughout our life, we have new beginnings. We change jobs. We get married. We might sometimes have to move countries. You are, might be in a business. Sometimes we might need to change businesses. Sometimes you need to move areas. And which is even happening now more in the Litvisha world is where you've got kids that are getting married. They're moving to Lakewood. And now the parents that are in their 50s and 60s are now finding themselves making new life changes where they're starting to move to Lakewood or they're moving to the areas where their kids are and they need to start now an entirely new shul. They need to start making a new life. If someone doesn't master this lesson of new beginnings, means friends move on, means life happens to us where things change, we, we also need to master how to make new beginnings and to make new friends. Now it's always easy to stay comfortable in our secure zone. But life, the Rabbi Shalom, always pushes us. So we need to be able to master new beginnings. So with your daughter, what I would have her sit down with her is, let's say, have a conversation with her. They change classes. You are comfortable. <laughs> You're right to be comfortable. But this changes, and you don't like it. You might even be angry at the school, and you have a right to be disappointed or angry. We're not taking away her rights. But at the same time, this is many times reality that we need to learn to master a lesson called new beginnings. And new beginnings happen many times in our lives. If you can master that, then you can go through a lot of points of life easy. Those that are stuck, it's got to be this way. It can't change. They find themselves angry. Many times there are lots of Shalom Bayes cases that I work on that I see, which is because one or both parents or one of the so sets of parents couldn't let go of their kid. You still need to call every day. What do you mean you didn't call me? What do you mean you went with your husband or with your wife somewhere and you didn't call me three times a day? Like, how do you... And, and this not letting go, new transition stages in life is important for us to be able to master. So now to your daughter, the question would be as follows. I understand that you like your old, fr your old friends, but we've got to start mastering new beginnings. So how do you make new friends? And right. I actually have an entire program on that. I don't remember which number it is offhand, but um, it's I can give you the number where I have all my programs, and there are two programs about making friends. One is the general one, and then one is how to make a best friend. One of the concepts, I could just share you some of the thoughts offhand. Number one is how do you, um, to realize it takes about a year to make a good friend. So in school it takes about six months. 
number one. Number two, start inviting them over to your house, hanging around, doing things that they do. So if they're just involved in a certain place, skit, they just go anywhere, just hang around with it. I'm a big believer in sending kids to camp of the same of your class, because just hanging around, having experiences together creates friendship. So it's more experiences, hanging around and being with them, taking them along. I'm not a believer in buying presents, trying to buy friends, because it's short term. It doesn't build. Connecting, having them come over for Shabbos. For boys, having chavrusas, a very big believer, making sure they learn. Even five minutes, 20 minutes, meet together on Shabbos, have a couple of people get together. Have your friend make, let's say, as you call it, a shalashudas. Ask her to pick which three friends does she want to hang around with, does she want to make friends. And now she invites all three of them, let's say, for a Shabbos. So maybe one wouldn't be able to come. I'm sorry, I meant like for shalashudas. Okay. Or during our after the Shabbos meals, now the Shabbosim are getting later again to start that process. The more she hangs around them, the more they will connect. She might be quieter, they might be louder, it doesn't matter. But the concept that we want to teach her is new beginnings are a fact of reality. If we have a difficulty doing it the younger years and we try to like push it away and ignore it, so I'll do it later, it doesn't get easier. All teenagers love saying, when I get married, I'll be able to do it. Unfortunately, all of us that are married know that whatever we don't learn, whatever we don't practice, will be harder and harder the older we get. So this is a chinuch opportunity where you can now teach your daughter that you're right. In ninth grade, you they divided classes. Maybe you'll even try to get her in the same class with her friends. Regardless of what happens, we want to be able to teach her that adapting to master the new beginning process is something that everyone needs to master and it's used throughout life. Okay. Make sense? All right. Yeah, makes, thanks a lot. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. And I would even appreciate if you call back and if you share with us the feedback. I'm curious how your daughter takes it. If she'll be right. taking it, oh, it's not right, they're wrong, or I can't it's make friends. More, she's more to the quiet side, more to the idle side. So Good. So now is... Wait. That's why she's having a harder time adjusting. So let's recognize. So now is the opportunity to teach that to her. You can be Adel, but Adel does not mean no confidence. Adel does not mean quiet. Adel does not mean not having friends. So this right. is now part of our part of your chinuch job is now how to get her a little out of her shell. You need right. to learn to make friends. You need to learn to get out of that. And if you don't feel you're equipped, then there are life coaches that you can try, or therapists, or just listen to some programs out there. You know, what's out there, how to help a child build their self-esteem, how to help a child come out of whatever it is. And there are steps that parents can do. We are very powerful as parents, what we can do. All right, thank you. You're very welcome. The, question, the number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. So looking forward to taking your question or comment about anything along the mental health field. We were just discussing the social pressures of Purim and somehow with what's happening um, about things like that. Let's take a question from the Lakewood School. My daughter is all stressed out about her Shalach Manas. She's working on it day and night. She's kind of, she is the kind of girl that doesn't have as many friends as everyone else. At what point do I say enough? We already spent enough. We already spent. Who knows how much just on containers and rivers. All she wants is everyone to ooh and ah. You got it. Let's recognize a mistake in self-esteem that the people are having, and that is, I will be loved by outside points. You know how I get love? By my value, by what I give out there. That never builds a self-esteem. That's always a guaranteed breaker. 
The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. If we try to get our self-esteem by outside following the rat race, we are going to feel like a rat. We're going to feel someone that's always racing and never happy. That's when you have a person in the midlife crisis, 50, 45, 50 years old, starting to get a red convertible for no reason at all, just because they want to feel young, which means they gave away their younger years for working, thinking, when I'll make money, when I'll have a title, I'll feel happy. And unfortunately, later, they're not. This is a person that will spend more money on containers to get oohs and ahs because they don't have a healthy self-esteem. They're not happy with the way they are. And you know how I feel good? Ah, I got the ooh and the ahs from someone else. But for myself, I don't have it. I didn't get it. That is important for us to recognize we don't do that. Parents, you got to start teaching our kids. How can you be oohs and ahsing yourself? How can you smile by yourself? How can you be happy with yourself the way you are? You can do that. Then you can get a gift. Everyone likes, um, everyone likes getting feedback that they're good, that they're talented. Everyone likes to get a wow. It was fantastic, including me. I'm not talking about that it's not. But what we are talking about as well is the importance to be able to say, I can ooh and ah myself first, and then I can get the affirmation from the outside world. We're going to go to line three, to Dubba. On line three, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hello? Yes, hello. How are you? Baruch Hashem. I wanted to ask you a question about my daughter, who um, has to wear patch. She's six years old. Let me just ask you something. You're, we're talking about a daughter over the age of nine? No, oh, I'm sorry, is there an age limit? How old? She's six. Is that a problem? Oh, uh, let's hear the question, because we just might just be comfortable that we might, I might just say that your kid is A-OK -okay and just move right on. Because most of the okay. questions I'm getting from parenting under, like, questions under the age of, let's say, nine is, it's healthy age-appropriate issues, and it's really the parents that just need a course or two about parenting just to know that it's okay. You know, certain okay. things are normal. So instead of spending and going through caller after caller, just good. So let's hear the question, and then we will see. You. I'm on a strict parenting course. I've taken parenting courses all the years. My question is a little bit out of the box because I'm dealing with a different issue. Okay. A confident issue. My daughter is six years old and she has to wear a patch. She has what? A patch. A patch on her eye. A patch on her eye, yes. Sorry, I just didn't hear you clearly. Okay, the second I put the patch on her eye, her behavior becomes out of control. I know it's a confidence issue. She's, she's self-conscious of the patch. And I'm not talking about not even in the house. I'm just curious on how I should go about it, if I should ignore it or... Well, let's first understand what that means when she wears the patch. She has to wear it in the house. She has to wear it outside. First yeah, of all, yeah, we will exactly. take this question. This is a fantastic question. This isn't like my kid is just afraid. No, this is a... Yes. Right, so it's two hours, it's two hours a day, and um, it's to help her eye for stigmatism, and um, she's conscious of it, self-conscious of herself, how she looks, and she's embarrassed, and that's why she's acting out. Okay. So let's first understand children. When children act out, it is a sign that they are uncomfortable or in pain. That's how the Rabbanishlam gave a natural defense to the child. So a little baby is born, they're hungry, when they're crying and screaming. They're, they're dirty, they need to be changed. They cry and scream. Children, as we get older, we learn to use our words more. We learn to take care of ourselves more and to be more self-sufficient. So we don't need to use those old behaviors. And if we need help, we learn how to communicate it in a healthy manner. 
six-year-old children, even up to nine, are really still kids. On a lot of levels, they're kids, they're babies, and they still act on that instinct. So first, let's understand that when your daughter is acting out, it's age-appropriate. Now, even though it's age-appropriate, does not mean that we need to keep it going. What that means now is that we can teach her a different behavior. One of the steps that I'm a very big believer in when we want to help our children learn something, we don't teach it at the time. We don't teach when we're putting on the patch, be calm. You're going to have a conversation with her and tell her, look, let's call, let's say her name is, I'm just using the name Miriam because the next caller will be more Miriam that we're going to take. So let's say her name is Miriam. We're going to go Miriam. When you wear the patch, do you notice how your behavior is, how you start fighting, you start doing this? And she'll say, yes, I don't want to do it, or I'm embarrassed of that. Okay, now talk about what are you embarrassed of? People will laugh at you. You feel we laugh at you. But it's a medical condition. I understand it. Or we understand it. Or we won't laugh. You discuss it with her. Have you tried that? Yes, yeah, we discussed it. She told me that she hates how she behaves when it happens, but she's not in control of her emotions. So, okay, so now we stop. Now She's we very ask her. About it. She said, I don't like the way I feel. I don't, I don't like the way I'm behaving. I understand we had this discussion, but now I'm thinking if it's, if it's worse, the health over behavior. That's what, that's what comes So down now we want to start teaching her both that she's aware. And here's where, again, as that, that the transition state starts happening when children are starting to be aware. And now we want to educate them how their behaviors should mirror their awareness. Okay. And the way we do that is now you take the next step. So you thought, okay, so let's now discuss it. When you feel not good, even though you know it's healthy, what can we do now for your behavior to be calm? Do you want me to remind you and say, calm down, behave? Do you want me to, let's say, even get you a gift? And if you behave well, then we'll do that. Because kids do have control. And you want to start asking, how do we get your behavior to mirror that? So we understand you're uncomfortable. Do you maybe want to tell me, mommy, I don't like it? Do you maybe want to paint a picture or draw a picture of what you feel you look like when you're aware that the emotions are saying? You believe in this bribing? You believe in bribing? Like Absolutely this, this not. There's an utter failure. Whatever you give in today, whatever you give in today with a bribe is going to be 10 times the price tomorrow, which then the third day will be, I don't need your prize. I don't care. I'm just not doing it. I am a huge not believer in bribing. Right. And even the behavioral charts, I'm a huge believer in charts. But the way 99% of us do charts, which is we weren't learned through the behavioral system how to run a chart, it's a guaranteed failure. Right. So imagine you want to use the laundry. You've never taught how to laundry and how much and how much you know soap to put in there. What do you think is going to happen to that laundry if you have no idea? You just once going to try five things, once a little. What's going to happen to it? And that's that's the same thing. What happens with charts? There's a system. It's a very methodical system. It works almost. Let's call it behavioral works a huge percentage. Let's I'm going to shoot my number 85% of the time. But if it's not done right, which 99% of the time it's not done right, it almost works, maybe 5%. So therefore, I'm not a believer in charts unless you are taught how to utilize the power of charts, how to deal with it when it doesn't work out. And these are systems. This is a behavioral system. It's not just, okay, we made a chart. I'm sorry, you just told me a couple minutes back about a prize, about getting a prize. That's, that's right. So there's bribing. a prize if you're consistent with it. If you're going to do it once or two times, it's not a bribe. Bribe okay. is saying, please do it for me. Consistently okay. is saying, you behave it well, we will give you a prize or something. You don't not. That's okay. one of the options. It's not the option. That's what I'm saying. When you want to start doing a chart system, it's, a comp it's not a complicated. It just takes about an hour to learn. 
But you need to be educated. You need to understand how the chart system works. Step one, understanding it. Step two, how do you do when the kids will want to stop doing it, which almost always happens. Or I could say 100% of the time, the kids at some point are going to want to stop the chart. How do you reinforce the behavior that it's still going on? What about the parents that always break their own rules or the parent that isn't consistent? One of the main reasons why charts don't work. So it's more about behavioral, it's more about learning how to address whatever system you've taken in the parenting lessons to continue that system with your daughter when she has to put on the patch, when that affects her. Right, so that's not, that's not bribing and that's not, there's no trust. To me, I say what I say and I don't go back on my word. But that's not giving her the confidence that she needs to continue on. So here is where I'm going to leave it and where we're going to go. That's where the parenting class needs to go. That's where you need education in how to run a behavior. So this is behavioral modification, and it's not something I can do in about a minute and a half or five minutes on the radio. This is an education system. This takes time to master. That's, again, when I say about the parenting, why I try not to take questions under the age of nine. This is now an hour's conversation. Yeah, so it's a fantastic question, and that's why I'm explaining to you the main theories that we're able to go over, that yes, your daughter is now being aware, and she's aware that when she's uncomfortable, her behaviors are not matched. If it's older the age of nine, we can discuss it on a more level. Since she's six, it's more behavioral that needs to be focused. And for that, again, we need a more behavioral system or a parenting class, which will give you the tools how to keep to that. We seem to have lost Miriam, so we're going to go to Chaim next. Chaim on line one. You're on the air with Mordechai. The number to call and ask your question or comment is 718-683-5858-718-683-5858. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I hear you, Reb Chaim. Hi. Um, yeah, a few calls ago, uh, a mother had a daughter with the four friends, and there was a high school. In high school, they all four went separate classes. Yep. And I think you said that this is okay because uh, it forces the, the, the individual to learn social skills and how to build friendships with strangers. Yes. But when is it safe to do this? Because I don't think a six or seven-year-old child should do this, but for sure a 20 or 30-year-old person should be able to do this. When, when would it be safe to call the teachers and say, hey, put them all together back in the same class, and when would it be safe to just say, hey, you got to learn social skills. You're not in class with the rest of your friends. It, it, what, what's the proper age for that? First of all, Chaim, I want to say you are 100% correct. And the balance is what's needed. It means a parent has got a right to stick up for their children. It's our right, and it's even our duty to do that. As well as once we're aware of that, there's a second point that we need to learn to master is how to also make friends. And here, I would just give information, we even need to teach our six-year-old kids how to make friends. So two-year-olds have it naturally. Two-year-olds, they meet another kid, within seconds they're playing, they're showing their Barbies, they're playing with their trucks, they're going straight to their bedroom, and they're playing wherever it is they're playing. Adults is where we have the difficulty, should I go over, shouldn't I go over? So two-year-olds know how to make friends. So therefore, my belief is six-year-olds, we also need to teach. As we start getting more aware of ourselves, we also start having a lot of hang-ups. And we need to master teaching a six-year-old actually, yes, how to make friends. At the same time, it is very normal for a parent to advocate for their children that they should have at least one friend. And in that case, I still believe that the parent should actually advocate for themselves. But I used it more as an opportunity, which we realized from the mother's question, that, I, that it sort of sounded to me that the daughter is the one that has an issue making friends. 
And that's what the mother said later on. She's more of a quieter girl. She doesn't have that much confidence. And that is what I sensed. And that's actually why my question went that way. So I didn't hear it was more, I need her to at least get one friend. I heard the question is, my daughter has a difficulty making friends. And that's why instead of addressing the question of getting her with one friend, I addressed the more inner issue that this girl is going to need to master. And it's the mother's or it's the parent's job to teach the children as many lessons as we can teach them that's possible. And that's the point for why I answer that. But I agree with your comment that, yes, parents should advocate to at least get one friend or to get them in a class with a friend that they would like. I'm a huge proponent of advocating, advocating for your children. Okay. Makes sense, Chaim? It, it does. And I, and I would imagine a lot of building social skills at that age, the high school age, a lot of it has to do with the individual's self-esteem. Right? That's right. And I, one of my dreams are to be able to write a book and to run some groups, especially for the Rebbeim and for teachers, and I guess the same will be for the parents. I find from my experience there are about 10 main yesoides that teenagers need to learn, social, social skills, confidence, making friends, dealing with rejection, going against the grain sometimes, not being in the rat race, which adults need, but especially children, how to remain calm when you fail. There are, you know, these are just five of the yesoides I would love to educate. Another point, very important, how to get kids to behave, which means teenagers to get up on time, how to get teenagers to listen. It's along the same lines, which Merit Hashem, one day, first we're focusing on just creating the awareness for the Rabbim and having this question and answer form. But I do, with Siata Deshmaya, have certain goals that I would like to do. Because the re the real reason why I'm asking is because of my sister, my younger sister, she's a, she's kind of on the same boat. She just went to a new high school, and so having a hard time making friends. And I almost want to tell my mother one of the issues she can work on is building up her self esteem, and I imagine that, that would help her make a friend. Yes, but I also want to acknowledge with what you're saying, self-esteem is an issue that every teenager has, and it doesn't mean that it's a problem that we have. It's self-esteem means, who am I? As a teenager starts going through the teenage years, the Rabbi Nishlam puts it in the Teva that a teenager should start asking questions, should start being curious, should start being aware of who I am, who the other one is, and to want to fit in. And at that time, when we want to fit in, we start getting stuck into that group into that belief system of having people, if, let's say, calling the balance of individual, being an individual, at the same time being in the, being with others. This balance that we need to learn to master is an issue. So if we can teach the teenager, so it's, it's a healthy issue, you're a normal teenager if you have a self-esteem issue. Because that's when you start being aware of self-esteem. Means my value based on someone else. Oh, am I allowed to base my value based on someone else? If someone learns Gemara better than me, then does that mean that I'm a loser? I just had recently in my office someone, a very young teenager, we'll call it, and he's upset that he's not able to, that he's not on Reb Chaim Kanievsky's level. And he's knocking himself down. Reb Chaim learns, finishes Shas every year. So there's a lot of just basic information that parents, that Rebbeim can give and to do. And number one, to understand that you need to have value within yourself. But if you're only for yourself and you don't see the system of society, then you'll be an individual, a loner, and that's not healthy as well. So what we need to recognize is this concept that self-esteem's got to be taught. Hey, it's normal to have this issue. What's my value? And at the same time, we need to learn how to um, surf, how to navigate through the self-esteem as well as managing in the outside world. 
Thank you, Chaim, for that question. Actually, yeah, more you. for your comment. We're going to go to Bela on line two. The number to call in for your question or comment about any topic in the mental health field is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And you are listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. Bela, you're on the air. Hi. Um, first of all, I'm loving your show. Thank you. Um, I just want to preface my question by saying that it's a little bit hard for me to ask the question because there, because I know there are many people listening. Yes. But I'm doing it anyways because, first of all, I want to show Hashem that I'm doing my shadows and trying to help myself. Yes. And second, if someone can get chizik from this, it's, it's, I guess it was well worth it. Yes. Um, one of my children is struggling with um, with a problem that's not relevant to this question. Okay. Um, but I'm trying to help this child, and um, I'm doing sub, some subconscious work. And one of the things that are com- that came up was that I am not letting go of this child's issue because it's helping me have a better relationship with my husband, um, which is true, and. The, the person that's doing it with me, she asked me, um, she said to me, you know, you're, you're benefiting from this and you're having a hard time letting go. Me, this is not a comfortable situation for me, but when she made me aware, I realized that it was true. It was sort of self-conscious, but it came up. Um, my question is, um, in these last, this last few days or weeks, I'm trying to be busy thinking. I see that... Um, Sometimes problems or pain will enhance a relationship. And I can't think of another way. Like, I keep telling myself, I have to have a better way of enhancing my own bias outside my children having problems. Yes. And maybe it's more like a Hoshkoff question, but I don't know where to go with this. Okay, let's take it to a psychology question rather than a Hoshkoff question, because Hoshkoff... Um, is not my department, and I need to know where my department is. So let's take it to a psychological question. Now let's turn your question psychologically. There is a problem in the family, mm-hmm. and Baruch Hashem, because of that problem, you and your husband are dealing with it. And mm-hmm. when you are dealing with it, you're seeing that you guys are getting closer. Mm-hmm. Now the problem is, and here's a psychological question, is that the only that till this problem, you guys couldn't get close. Mm-hmm. So your fear or concern is, how do I get close to my husband? How do I build a relationship that's not based on problems? Mm-hmm. Correct? Um, I'm afraid so. Okay. So let's take it to a psychological question and let's realize that you're asking a fundamental question that I have many people come into my office and we need to address this issue from the first two, three sessions. And that is that people go... Okay, let me take a step back. In my therapy session, part of the sessions that we do at the beginning is what's our goal? Where do we want to get to? And when the person imagines, oh, wow, this is my goal. This is where I can get to. One of the top fears that come up is exactly your issue. Then I'm not going to have problems. What's going to happen? What am I going to be busy with? Or if I'll have the money, we'll have great shalom bias. The kids are going to be healthy. I'll have everyone. I have everything that I want. And what we teach them is, this is just a concept, the introduction to answer your question, is that 
Trust me, success has a huge amount of stress where we grow with that. Success is a beautiful, beautiful system and positive. But we need to still deal with this. With need to learn how to deal with it. So in success, there are difficulties. So for an example, if someone has a wonderful business, then you want to take it to the next level. Someone has a wonderful marriage, you want to be able to even get closer. If someone is great with their children, you even want to get closer to them. So this is a fantastic question, fantastic point out there. So I'd like to give you now the information. Some of the solutions are to realize that pain is one of the ways that brings someone together. The problem with pain when we get together or close with pain is what happens when the pain disappears. So if there's a relationship based on need, then when the need subsides, there is no more need, then the relationship ends. If a relationship is based on love, based on caring, then there's always love and there's always caring. So a marriage, when the longer you're married, the more you connect, then the more the closer the relationship will be. Or at least we should say should happen that way. So now let's address your question. Though I'll give you three, four suggestions that they have, the Olive Bay's, let's say, in couples suggestions. I don't like calling it counseling, but in, in getting closeness between you and your spouse. And these tools you can use with friends, these tools you can use with your Rav. <coughs> it has nothing to do with a spouse only. Number one, step number one, I shouldn't say number one, so this is as it's coming to me, and that is when you start discussing some of your dreams, some of your positives with your husband or with your friends. So you can discuss your day. Do you know what happened interesting today? I took the kids to the pizza shop and I met a friend. You start creating commonality. You start discussing positives or interests. You know, I had an interest to go tour a certain place. And he doesn't go, oh, I have no interest in that at all. And you go, oh, but you know what I did like about it? You know, I love the creativity. I like this. And he'll go, I just love consistency. And you'll go, what do you like about consistency? Don't you like creativity? And he goes, no, when it's consistent, I can have stability. I know where it is. And you make discussions about positives. That's point number one. Point one is start talking about your likes. Another point to recognize that builds closeness is actually doing things together. So, very simple. I've taken one of the courses where they had Shalom Bias, where it was very funny, where they had the husband and wife, let's say, just play a game. I'm thinking that I'm thinking between a number of one and ten. What am I thinking of? And the wife would go for just a game like that, any situation where you're doing things together. And it was very funny to see a whole room of about 20 couples, and the couples are laughing. And he had like three or four games just to do, just practicing. And he says, look how simple this is. He had even then the couples and just stand up and just jump. He says, as crazy as it sounds, but all of a sudden you saw smiles, certain just being in a box all day. The same room, same routine gets us into routine and we lose that spark. So to create happiness, you can have a game. Just play the kids' games of sorry. They have now fantastic games if you want to be able to connect and know more about the person. They have, let's say, for couples, you can go to anywhere, let's say the questions games, where what do you like? What's the thing you don't like? If you can go anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Who's a person you look up to and why? Having, starting to interact, doing things together, and in a game form, creates it, um, creates that importance. Another point, just to mention offhand, is private time. Imagine you just walk with your husband once around the block and you don't talk about negatives. You can even be quiet the entire time. You do this twice a week, just once. How long is around the block? Depends what truth is where you are. But go around, spend a 15-minute walk, not more than that, twice a week, even just on Shabbos, and you're going to see a big change in what will happen in your marriage. And that's how, and make sure when you do that, you don't talk about negatives. You talk about the positive, 
and how things like that work out. Does that make sense? can't see it being so meaningful like this. I don't need you to see it meaningful. Just need you to behaviorally do it and let's see what happens. Okay. Try. So try some of those points and you'll see what happens. You know, just try the easy one. Just try playing a game or just try walking around the block on Shabbos with your husband, not talking about negative. You could even remain quiet. You will see what happens at that point. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Um... So let's go ahead. We are going to see what we've got. Should we take a caller? Should we take a question? I'm going to let Aaron, the number to call him with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Aaron, um, let me just see on the page where we got the callers, if we should do that or that. All right, so we are... Going to take Miriam online too. I wonder if we got you back. Miriam, you're on the air, and then we're going to take two, three of the texts that has come in. Miriam, you're on the air with Mordechai, and again, the number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And for those of you listening, you're, it's your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. Mordechai Weinberger stands for Licensed Clinical Social Worker. Miriam, you are on the air with Mordechai. Thank you, Mordecai. How are you today? Baruch Hashem. Amazing. Wonderful. Um, okay, I have, this is regarding Purim. This is regarding teenage boys. Yes. Um, I have a number of teenage boys, Baruch Hashem, and they are in different mainstream yeshivas. They go from the most right wing to the most left wing. Okay. And each one depending on their needs. Now, my question to you is the following. You were discussing before about drinking on Purim. Yes. And about how the boys, how you feel that they need to let off steam a little bit, and I agree with you on that. Um, but as a mother, we cannot wait until, and I know I've discussed this with other mothers, we cannot wait until the day of Purim is over. Yes. Why? Because we know that our children are out there. We know that they are hopefully not drinking, but in a good, good chance they yes. may be drinking. And we hold our breath until Purim is over, until everybody is safe and back home where they belong, or back in their yeshivas where they belong. Yes. Now, I do understand that these children do have a very intense schedule. Yes. And there is a peer pressure that goes along with it. Yes. And yes, yeshivas do make money with the collecting, and the kids do deserve to have a good time because life is really serious and very heavy-duty for them. I'm just throwing this out to you. I don't have an answer. Actually, stay on the air because I'd like to work it out with you. I do have some solutions to this, and you're going to be part of the answer, and you're doing part of the answer. But finish your question, and then I'll talk. Okay. My question is as follows. Um, is there some other way that we can provide for our children a way to let off their steam because their life is very intense in yeshiva? And at the same time, feel good about themselves, let them have a good time in a safe way. And now, I do understand that it, drinking lets off a little bit, gives, lets them get a little bit looser, and for some of them, they need that. I understand that. But where is the, dif the defining line between drinking and going drinking too much? And there's a very fine line, and all the children, I've discussed this with my children and with other children, who they're siblings, they're friends who come to my house. I've discussed, how do you know when you drink? You get to a point where you don't know that I drank too much, and sometimes it kicks in a little bit later, and you think, oh, I only drank a little bit, and nothing's kicking in, let's drink a little more. There has to be a way that we can 
get a little bit of control on this. I have a sibling who is a paramedic in Hatsola, and I cannot begin to tell you how many calls he's been on, and really, really serious calls. There's got to be some fine line somewhere where we can say either nobody drinks or it's in a very controlled environment, and it's only a minimum amount. I don't know the answer. I'm so sorry. let's stay on the line because we do have the answer. Your question is the answer. Uh, let me tell you what I mean. If we look at organizations that have changed Klyosrol for the better, whatever it should be, let's even take the Koil system. Chshivas to be Machshav Torah happened from the Gedolim preaching to a generation where everyone was working and saying, Rabbi Said Torah is important. We need to put Torah first. To teach Erlochkeit at work, which was, which was at that time. As we, to stop smoking in the yeshivas, it has taken 20 years. It's taken 20 years of a battle, but it's really slowing down. It really is. Even the guys that are smoking are smoking now for a year or two. It's not normal. The guys aren't, the guys aren't addictive smoking as it used to be. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it was normal. And I'm not going to go into which yeshivas, but some of the main Litvish yeshivas had everyone smoked. You smoked in the Basmedrash, the Rosh Hashivas, the Rebbeim, and everyone. Now you can only find a handful of Rosh Hashivas, if that, that smoke. A handful of Rebbeim that smoke. You have them, but it's not as it used to be all the time. Now, what changed? Do you know where the power came? The power comes from us, the parents. From us, those that want it to change. When there used to be the Rebbeim that used to hit, and they weren't educated. Who's the one that demanded education? Rebbeim that know what they're doing. We have today phenomenal mechanchem, teachers and Rebbeim. I don't mean to say that the, that the Rebbeim of the old generation weren't good. But some were not good. But they're able to get away with those few. Let's put it this way. The few that weren't good were able to get away with it because... The people said, what do I do? What changed was the parents, or those children, became now parents saying, I don't want this. And the yeshiva that had rabbeim that were more trained, that's what they got. Now let's understand, this issue of drinking, the older we get, the more us, the parents, are saying, no, it's got to stop. The way it stops is, very simple, you have several parents. You get five parents together, and you call up the rebbe and the principal and go, we want hashgacha for our kids. I don't mind if my son takes one shot or two shots. I'm not going legally at the age if you're allowed to or not. But I want to know that it won't go more than that. You have, you speak to your son. You make sure, let's say, the three other women or four other women that you have. You speak, each of you speak to your kids. Say, I don't care what other kids are doing. I want you to promise me that there will only, you will only take one shot or two shots or no, no shots at all. You have that right to do that. If you get your son, you get the other ones to do that. You have the parents involved. You see how kids listen. I am also a believer in telling kids, you need to let go, I will take you somewhere. So I don't know which kahilas are right or not right, but I know one parent that says, I take my kids skiing on Shushanpuram on the condition they do not touch a cigarette, they don't even, and, they, and this father says, I let my kid have two shots. But if they do that, I know it's hard for them. As a reward, I am telling them, I'm giving up something for me, and I take you that. A kosher way, this father feels skiing isn't a problem, sneers and all that stuff. The power comes from us. And the more people that verbalize it, voice it, the more times Hatsala will, will do that. I feel Hatsala, one of the suggestions, they do an unbelievable campaign before Purim when they have a picture, unfortunately, of Hatsala or someone over there, you know, a picture. I would wish Hatsala would be able to just put how many calls they got on Purim alcohol-related right after Purim. I want the propaganda not just to happen three, four weeks before Purim. I want the propaganda to happen two, three weeks after Purim. Seven people are still in the hospital because of drinking. Fifteen people broke their arms and their legs. Three people got arrested. Do you know how many kids, unfortunately, teenagers get arrested on Purim because of their behaviors and their actions? 
It should it sh needs to be publicized. I would love to get a report. Maybe I should do that. Get a report for the week after Purim. Speak to Hatzal if they can give roughly, and maybe from the police department, how many kids got arrested because of drinking, and they could be good kids, but they lost it, and it's not responsible. These numbers by us parents, we throw, we send it to the yeshivas. You work in conjunction with the yeshivas. I don't like when we blame the yeshivas. Yeshivas should do. It starts from us. You and an organization, you know how organizations started? Everyone starts with us, the layman. And from there you do it. Tervadas was started by Shagafaival Mendelovich. I'm sorry, um what did I just say? No, Tervadas was started by just forgot his name now offhand. And he was someone, a worker, a big town government says, Yeshivas, we need to have, we need to stop in America where you go to public school in the morning and you go to to day school, let's say to the Hebrew schools, which was after. Tervidas was the first yeshiva in America to say, we're having Hebrew studies in the morning and secular studies in the afternoon. He was a major Talmud Chacham, he was also a businessman saying, I want to make this change. And look at Torah today. The entire concept of Yiddish, of Hebrew studies in the morning starts from someone that started. It says, I see a need and I'm standing up. Bono Olam, High Lifeline, all these organizations started with one parent, one person saying, it's going to stop. Chush. Shoimrim, Hatzala, all started with one person saying, I need to, we need to make a change and I'm standing up. You can be the spearhead. At least in your school, start it. Speak. You still have a couple of days now. We're three days before Purim. You call up those parents. You work together. You Two steps. A, you speak to the Rebbeim to make sure. B, you speak to your kids and you follow up. After Purim, you will call up the Rebbe and say, thank you for making sure, or they drank a little, or it didn't go as good, but I still appreciate what you did because it went much better than the other years. Um, you have that conversation with your kids and you're following up. You will not be drinking. Now, what are we going to do that you shouldn't drink? But it cannot go on. Does that is make there, sense? Is there, it makes it yes and no. Because there is a yeshiva, I'm not even sure which one I've heard advertised, that, that apparently started a thing that everybody comes to learn on firm night instead of going out. Yes, it's advertised on the J-Root. Yes, they have it on their website, on our right, J-Root radio. Right, so I've heard it advertised. Okay, it's a very nice idea, beautiful idea, but... For the boys who are in high school, who are in some serious and some in other serious high schools, who want to go and have a good time, going to sit and learn, unfortunately, is not going to do it for them. And they still want to go out there and have a good time. If yes. you provide a good time for them in a safe manner... We do. Purim yeah, can be very safe. I agree with that. you. Purim can be very safe. Why can't boys just sing and dance without a drop of alcohol? Boys can do it. Teenagers have no problem getting naturally high. All they need is music, and they go high. You don't you need know, more than that. Children, one of my children wants to collect. He's in ninth grade, and he wants to collect. And I said to him, the only way I'm letting you go out collecting is I'm going to hire you a limousine, because his yeshiva wasn't providing it, and you are going to go and collect for a certain organization, which is a small organization that really needs the money very badly, and it's very dear to us, because we volunteer. Us as a family, we volunteer there many times. And, and I said, but... That's on condition that you and those who are with you do not drink. And I was not cheap on, on the limo that I hired for him, and on purpose, because I want him to really thrive. That's and right. Feel like he really got something out of it. So there he's going out and having a great time. That's right. Drinking and getting it out of his system. But so that's only one child. No. Why can't mm -hmm. we come up with some other way or some other? We could, and we on? are, and you are the one. We need to thank Hatsala. Do you know the you know the advertisements Hatsala puts out before? It costs money. But the more people like you that speak up, that's again the purpose of this program. This program is not to make actual changes. 
I cannot just talk and we have actual changes. My point of view is to create awareness. From awareness, there creates more momentum to a process. From the momentum, you'll have one or two people that will stand up. From that one or two people that will stand up, will create, now will follow with this circle that we've got of creating awareness. Becomes more a need, more a demand, more an awareness, more someone will step up. The greater the policy grows and it will happen. It is not safe. It is very dangerous. And as you said, you have a relative that's a paramedic. It is very dangerous what is happening with our teenagers. And it's not being published. Publicized. We will see if I will be able to do it. I need to find out legally if Hatsala can give the numbers. I might try to contact them. I think it's an excellent idea. And I would like after Purim for parents to hear, and I'll see if we can get maybe someone in the liaison of the police department, just to know around Borough Park, Flatbush, and in Lakewood, let's take three of the main areas where people go collecting, how many police calls they had of of, let's say, unfortunately, violence, of fighting that was going on. That's not Torah. That's not Hashkafa. That's not what, that's not at all what the, what the Rabbanu Shalom had in mind. And how do I know? Not because I am sometimes talking, because the Rabbanu are saying it. You have Shmuel Kamenetsky coming out that you shouldn't do it. You have the Rabbanu having kalkairis, do not have alcohol on your table. There is okay, nothing wrong. Okay, coming in and doing this, and when Purim is over, it defeats the purpose. That's I right, and to have, yes. And to get the information yes. before last year's Purim and present it now. That's right, day, that's right. Program so people can hear it before all these kids... Well, we're doing it. it. We're doing it, and that's why you're on the air. That's why you're here. You're doing it, and you're doing a great job with your, you. with your well, son. I've Thank you. I've never called in before. This is the first, but this is a very important, very, very important uh, yes. issue that I think really needs to be addressed. Okay. So thank you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. We're going to go take, there are some unbelievable questions being texted in that I'd like to address two of them. There's really a lot. It's like, which one do you do? Um, Wow. And I understand why people aren't calling in. I would like you to call in. It would make it so much more. And I don't feel these questions are that private that we should be that embarrassed. But again, let's first tell you guys. For those of you listening in now, you're listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. You're able to watch us live on the jrootradio.com. You can watch us live on the Lakewood Scoop. We'll take some of your questions. And we can also... um, also watch us on Yeshiva World, of course, which is having that. So that's fantastic. Um, we've got some questions on the Lakewood Scoop as well. We'll take... Okay. Let's take one question at a time. Let's go to... Oh, how do we do this? All right. Let's go take th- three questions, and then we're going to go to some of the questions. We'll do three more callers. Libby, we'll try to do it quick. Libby on line two. You're on the air with Mordechai. Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Okay, um, my question is a general question. Um, sure. I see that most people asking parenting questions are being advised to go for a parenting class. My question is really, um, isn't parenting something that will be developed with you as you grow into the stage? Uh, isn't parenting intuitive that will come with you together as your kids grow up? Okay, let, let, me, ask, let me ask you that question. Have you ever baked? Yeah. Okay. Baking is something that women have intuitively, correct? Some better than others. Okay. So if you've never baked, you've never watched your mother bake at all, and you have an intuitive nature, will you know how to bake? Probably. Not. I Probably not. I don't know what to do, no? Really? How many people, um, okay, um, do you know there are lots of books how to build a building? 
let's say, quote unquote, men are intuitively moral. Let's take that classical stereotype that men are builders. Okay. Go ahead. Would you live in a house that your husband took out a book to learn how to read? No. Why not? Um, I think he doesn't have experience. Oh, wait, what, uh, what, what does experience start. mean? You just take out the book. It tells you take two by fours. You place them every foot apart and you just do it. So you think parenting is like building a building? Of course, which means you have things intuitively, but you need to be taught how to do it. In fact, some of our issues, not some, everything we learned was taught. Now, what happens if there is information that we are taught that wasn't applicable? So let's take for an example, unfortunately, some parents, which Bachshim are fantastic parents, but they suffer from anxiety. Um, you know, just before we take that, I'm just going to announce this to the lady that I just spoke to about drinking and about the family, like how to change it. If you can call back to the JRoot studio, because we have another lady that called up and said that she has some help, she can help out. And, you know, let me also put this question out there. If there are any Hatsala members or anyone that's connected to the coordinators or any of the police liaison, I would ask you if you can please call the JRoot, because I would like to make a follow-up and see if you guys have permission to give to the connection. I would like to have a follow-up show, a follow-up program after Purim with either getting Hatzala members on or the police liaisons on or even the police officer that we can get the negative effects of the drinking and the Chil Hashem that goes on and the unhealthy stuff that, that people are unfortunately suffering. So let's try to utilize the power that we have over here. So those of you, if you are Hatzala members, if you know anyone, if you know any connectors to the police station or to any liaison, or well, the Shamra members, I would love to, if you can reach out to me at the JRoot Radio, you can call now at 718-683-5858, or you can email me to my email address, which is winnerformula at gmail.com. It's winnerformula at, at gmail.com, and I really would like to have Meretzeshem post Purim, a follow-up just to create the awareness of what's going on. Sorry. Um, um, Libby, uh, just for cutting you off. So again, so let's just, so again, so for the lady that just called, there is someone on the line that has left their number that's there to help you. What you can start doing together as a group or somehow to help you how to prevent the drinking that's going on in Yeshiva. So just please call back to the studio. So let's go back to Libby. What happens if a parent suffers from anxiety? What happens if parents, let's say they came from a family where the mother really didn't have the tools how to put the kids to sleep, which means the system was that the kids are fighting with the parents for about two, three hours at night. Now, this is the chinuch, and I don't want to say in a negative way that this is the system how the kid was now raised. So it's normal for bedtime to take two hours. Now, what would happen if I tell you bedtime could take 20 minutes peacefully? Is it intuitively... Or do you need to be taught? And intuition means that now you learn how to master your ability. So let me give you another example. Someone could be a fantastic pianist, someone that's great in piano, fantastic violinist. But if they never took the lessons, how good do you think they will play? Not the best. Is no. there a reason why we've got some of the greatest institutions in the world for music where they're taking 40 hours a day lessons in order for them to reach Carnegie Hall, to reach the greatest places. According to you, it's intuitively. They have it natural. Why are they taking 40 hours a day lessons? Okay, so my question goes down. Wait, wait, hold on. What do you yeah. understand? What do you get from step one? 
you you learn certain skills that you will be able to apply even if you have um, the in intuition. You know how you have the feel of it. You still still learn skills, right? Wait, and let's when we say learning skills means that, as you said, skills certain tools that you do not know. Yeah. So so when I'm looking around at different parenting classes, I see that every every instructor has different tools, skills. different uh, yes. ways to go about it, right? Yes. What's a smart way of choosing the right director? Well, let me ask you, the same question will go to the skills, to this, uh, this the same issue will be, um, let's say you want to take a baking class, and there are five different baking classes out there. How would you know which one's right for you? I'll tell you, I think this is a little different, because I see with each of my children, every child needs a different style. Okay. So then I can't go around and take everyone's parenting classes. Oh, let's take a step back. Why not? Um, why not? I take uh, courses. I've learned CBT. I took a course and I've... True. I why not? Instead of following my own logic and thinking, what do I need to do with this child individually, I'll just have to run from manual to manual. Ah, uh, now you miss... Now. Okay, so now your question is different. Now your question is, if I take a parenting course and I won't use my stuff intuitively, so let's take that question back to someone that learns to bake. If someone has an intuitive feeling for baking, and then they take one baking class, and then they learn a class on how to do icing, the covering on the cake, and then they take a class on how to bake special uh, four-layered, four-tiered baking, will now that person just say, okay, I have to run to manuals, or will the person, if they have it intuitively, start combining lessons? Yes, they will start combining lessons. So that answers your question. Parenting, mm -hmm. no parenting course will tell you only do my style. And if they say that, my first suggestion is run away, try to get back your money as quick as possible. All education, all therapy, is therapy is never there to tell you do this and this and you'll do better. If it will be sold, then I wouldn't have to see people individually. I'll just write a manual and follow it. Therapy, education is meant to give you the basics and for you to now integrate that information and do it your way. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Yes. Now, many people walk around with your awareness that parenting, they tell you what to do. Parenting, I should know it on my own. And I have a concept that we know nothing on our own. We know how to buckle our belts because we are taught to do that. Two points that I find never get, inf never get information, never learn to learn. Do you know which two things people don't want to get information, we're supposed to know it intuitively, and what a disaster both those areas are? Number one, parenting, and number two, shalom bias. You want to learn how to sew, you're going to go learn and take classes. You want to know how to be accounting, not only are you going to take courses in that, but you're even going to do shimmers. You're going to work in an accounting firm to get your internship. You want to be a social worker, it's, it's intuitively, no. Of course you might be intuitively, but you've got to still go to two years master's. You're going to have over 3,000 hours supervision while you're in college, then 3,000 hours after that supervision with two supervisors watching you at all times. My, my question then goes, what happened for the past, I don't know how many years, those parents didn't need manuals? And I don't know. All I, I'll be honest with you. This is a question that people are asking. And I, all I know is that when people talk about the past, I know I don't know about the past. Mm -hmm. All I know is I don't know anything really about how it was in the past. I heard people tell me in the past there were no parenting. And then I heard in the past, of course, there was parenting. So I heard from a big rub that told me that he was from the past. And he said, you know how it used to go in the past? They didn't have over there the chickens that we have now, mass production. You just go to a store and you get the food. Mm 
What you used to do is, you went to a shaykhet, he shechted it. It was a shayla, you went to the rav. The rav would ask the missus, how are you doing? How shalom bias? A kid came over to the rav. You were connected to the rav. The rav was the guidance counsel. The rav uh -huh. was the therapist. You had a connection with the rav. When was the last time you spoke to a rav? When was the last time you asked the rav a question? When was the last time your rav asked you, how are you doing? How's it going with the kids? How's your shalom bias doing? You look at Pirkeyavis, you look at the Gemara, you see the Chachma that there was, that there is in Torah. You see the Chachma that there was in the past when we we're connected to a Rav. When mm -hmm. was the last time you contacted a Rav? Too personal. Okay, <laughs> fine, but that's my point. <laughs> my point is, when we talk about the past, I don't know about the past. All I know is this generation, our parents going around yelling and screaming. No control over their kids, not knowing how to tell the kid no. Kids are fighting back and saying, I don't want to listen to you. And we are missing the skills now. I don't know what there was then. Maybe I could say then you didn't have telephones, which whatever they did then isn't going to work now. Maybe today you have texting. Maybe today you have the internet. I'm not going into what was different then and now. All I know is now we are missing skills. Whichever mm -hmm. parent, I shouldn't say whichever, most parents that take a parenting course and gets the skills, it's amazing how all of a sudden the kids are going to sleep in a half hour. It's amazing how parents say, I'm calmer. And those parents that don't want to deal with whatever is needed in today's generation, it's amazing how there's yelling, screaming, neglect, abuse going on. Now, I'm not saying every parent. I'm just saying those that need it, take it. If you have a parent that taught you how to bake, so don't take a course in baking. You, have, you don't want to learn how to make professional cakes, don't take the cake. Don't take the lessons. But if you need to learn how to make, and if your cake is batching day after day, week after week, year after year, and there are disasters going on, the schools are telling you your, your kids need help. The people, your parents are telling you get help, and you're still not getting it because uh, what did they do in the past is not an excuse for now. Mm -hmm. I understand. So Thank if you. you're successful, your kids are going to sleep, your kids are happy, it's calm and laughing environment, don't take a parenting. And I will want you to be aware you don't have it intuitively. You had parents that showed it to you. You had someone that helped you and guided you. We don't have things intuitively, which uh -huh. means intuitively we have natural instincts, but we still need a skill. I see. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right, we got a comment from someone that they would like us to announce over here. And this is a person saying the issue isn't about Purim, about drinking. It's about what's happening in our system today. That someone saw at Chasnos, 14 and 50-year-old Bachram are finishing bottles on weddings. And yes, this is a problem that our generation is going to have to focus and deal with. Hashgacha on our kids, giving kids healthy and kosher outlets. And this is not just about Purim. This is a, a huge issue that's happening. There are many Rosh Hashivas are trying to cut out Bachram going to Eretz Yisrael for that reason. There's a lot of Bachram that aren't learning when they're going there. There are a lot of Bachram that are drinking to unhealthy levels that are getting there. So definitely, and I agree 100% that that is an issue that is happening. We're going to go to line one to Yassi. You're on the air with Mordechai. Yeah, two things. Um, first of all, I don't know if you remember in the 80s, there was a huge, actually in the early 90s, a huge campaign from Katskovatsola regarding Bachram under 21, um, not driving cars. And people yes. asked them, so put up uh, posters and said, behind every teen involved in the NBA is someone who said yes. Yes. People said, chutzpah, how dare you? But it hit the message, and most camp directors that I know won't let a guy touch a wheel if he's like 20 and a half even, you know? Yes. No one says, Let's let's uh, revisit it and maybe we're being too much. I think a good uh, campaign of a kid being transported, you know, in an ambulance, good, you know, gory kind of thing. We got the message across that this might be your kid if you don't let it. Yes. Sometimes we have to. That's number one. 
Um, number two is, um, in regard to, you know, people, you know, not having their place and, you know, coming out on perm, what do you do with a guy who unfortunately has um, been hooked up by this uh, infamous organization in Manhattan, which I prefer not to say the name, who helps people leave, you know, the faith anonymous? Yes. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. These guys who, you know, they should be, you know, burned down. Yeah. Whatever the case is, what do you do if he says, you know, in my community, they didn't give me love and validation, and I know, you know, it's not exactly what they need, but they're here to help me, and they're bottom wire exposed to, they're not care for me, and um, these guys, you know, are doing better than what you're doing. What do you answer to such a guy? So what I told them was, I said, if they really um, care and validate you, tell them you want to become more firm, they should find you an open-minded, firm guy. If they're willing to do that, then they really care about you. If they say it's not our speed or it's not what we're made for, then they obviously don't care about you. But how, how would you deal with something like that? Okay, I would sort of deal with it with a question that we asked them. There's a famous vart that I, I heard it said by many of the previous generational Litvish Gedolim. I heard it from the Chazanish. I heard it from the Briskerov. And it goes as follows. If a person asks you a question, there is an answer. If a person's answering you an answer... There is no answer to that. When these yeah, people are saying, right? those organizations love me, they're not really looking to get help. They're looking to blame. Means if they're saying, please help me, I'm looking for love, you can show them lots of love, and there are a lot of fantastic organizations out there that will take them in and give them a lot of love. Such as? Such as, just mentioned for Kid of the Derech, you have, I even just met him today, Chaim Glantz, Our Place. An amazing organization. People are volunteering right and left. They take you in for Shabbosim. Their organizations, Home Sweet Home, Abby Fischel. What? They pay for people. To, they pay for people to go to school and all that. So they they don't. By the way, that organization does not pay. They help out a little. I know about the organization because unfortunately, I had one or two clients here. They have a social skills a skills group once or twice a week, and unfortunately, the people the, whatever I don't want to go into that. They're not really paying. They have a tutor there that comes once or twice a week. They're not giving you. It's it sounds a lot flashier than it is. They're not giving you anything. They'll help no, you find the place. They'll give you an education. They're not giving you love. They're not guiding you every step of the way. They're not. I actually know from inside sources. But they're doing, unfortunately, a horrible job. But they're, they're not as busy as you think. Baruch Hashem, they're not as busy. Nowhere. They do a much bigger marketing and advertisement than in reality. I know what's going on. I should say up to a year ago, I, was, I knew what was going on what's happening over there. There are far smaller groups and people are not taking that. These are people that are going off anyhow and they're just taking whatever skills they take from them. They use them and then they drop them. These are people that aren't interested. No one is going to that organization because they take care of them. They don't. They offer you little skills and not really there. They're also getting burnt out. So the real issue that's needed, and let's just go to Lakewood. There's a tzaddik, Chaim Abadi, Rabbi Chaim Abadi, an unbelievable person. Two, three in the morning, every single night is normal. 10, 15, whatever it is. I see him on Shabbos. I live next to him. I, you have to see how this person, there are about 20 bachar meeting their Shabbosim there and people who ever need it. There are tzaddikim out there that show you love. Any kid that needs love, we have the organizations that are there and unfortunately these organizations are struggling. Donate to our place. Donate to um, the Minyan, as, I, as it's called over there in Lakewood. There are fantastic organizations out there. There's a lot of people that are willing to show kosher love, the healthy way. We'll take you. We'll guide you. We'll help you get a job. These kids need a lot of therapy as well. No one that says, that organization, they care for me. Most of the time, unfortunately, they are talking. They're not coming out of asking a question. If they're asking, please help me, we can help you. When they're saying, that place cares for me more, they're giving an answer. 
And when they come with an answer, you don't answer. The Shiloh was really, when they asked the Gedolim, what do you answer to someone that is, you know, uh, fighting Yiddishkeit, Ashkafas? He says, if someone really wants to know about Yiddishkeit, you can answer the question. But if they want to come while Yiddishkeit isn't accurate, you don't answer them because they're not coming with a question. My pleasure. Thank you for the comment and for the awareness. Greatly appreciated. We're going to take one more question, and then we're going to take some of the questions from the Lakewood Scoop and from the text that we've gotten over here. So we're going to go to line two, to Dini. Hello? Yes. Oh, hi. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Thank you. Let me just turn my radio off. I have two boys in the ages of, let's say, almost 10 and 11. Yes. And I think I've done everything in the book when it comes to going to sleep. Yes. Believe it or not. So, you know, when they say, um, you know, there was the magic one, two, three, I love that one. That you. That's a great them. book. That's a great, a great parenting book. book. So they say, like, use one word. Like, yes. Shouldn't leave any, I love that one because my kid is a adorable, one of them will call it that I used it on. Impulsive, adorable, very challenging. When I used to say bed, I used to say drink. We were yeah. going back and forth. You know, so I said, okay, definitely. There wasn't like the next step to do with him. Like, I'll give you an example. So that was actually when he was age six and seven. So we didn't do that anymore because he used to challenge me back. Hold on. Let's stop. Let's stop right there. Okay. That okay. is why that is a difficulty of learning a skill yeah. from a book. No, you're, I didn't only do that. I've been, I've been around the block. You know what I'm saying? I'm not that I spoke to people. I've gone to parent. You now, know, your question is, Mamish, the olive base in parenting. Like I'm saying, right. if we would have the one-on-one, I don't understand that question. That question okay, means it didn't work because it, it's it impossible. Work. It's sort of like saying you're trained in doing something and it doesn't work. No, I shouldn't he, say it doesn't work very, on every he's kid. He's very impulsive and oppositional. So he'll be very... Um, I shouldn't say the word aggressive, but he'll just challenge you back. Then just, first we need to also evaluate. Okay. If you've gone to the good parenting classes, then maybe yeah. take one-on-one. If it's yeah. not working, then we need to evaluate your son. Because the skills should work on 95% of the skills that are out there. So the only time I've seen that the parenting systems, when I do one-on-one, do not work, is if the kid mm-hmm. has high anxiety, which we need in medication, or the kid has ADHD, which needed medication. But... Almost all the time are the skills supposed to work, or I'm going to say something a little blunt and please don't be disappointed, or if the parents needed anxiety medication or the parents had their issue. So there are but times that... Let me give you an example. Let's say typical tonight. They're not, they're, they're, one is already almost 10 and one is 11. A typical thing to last night, because I, I spoke to someone who you know, was a therapist that they saw, and she was saying, like, you know, tell them reasoning why they should go to sleep. I mean, you don't just say, go to bed, go to bed. Give a reason why you want them to be, you want them to be, you know, you do well in yeshiva. You want all, you know, all the different reasons why you want him to do well. And I was trying then. I tell them now with the changing of the clock. The kids said, they said, okay, and I even gave them the, the, the thing of, like, they love spending time in the evening. I said, I want to go out with you. We'll go biking at a crazy hour, meaning at 8 o'clock at night when it was dark. I used to sometimes do it for 20 minutes. One liked rollerblading. So I used to do that. He liked that a lot. I told him all that stuff. And he said, no, I'll be under the covers in five minutes. They just got to do a bunch of different things. They just, by close to 12 o'clock, they went to sleep. So unfortunately, this answer, this question, I don't have the answer for. Okay. Not because I don't have the answer, okay. because this, something isn't adding up. If you've, again, if you read a book, it's very simple. I understand what, I, I understand which component is missing. I just know it's about an hour and a half of information that's needed that okay. we can't do now on the phone line. And usually it doesn't have to be just me. Because any skilled person that ran a parenting group for, let's say, more than five or six years, this is the olive-based question that every parent has. Once I've done it now, how do I institute? How do I get the system put into practice and the kid not wanting? This is olive-based. So my real I'm recommendation is... I'm not telling is, you that it never, ever works. Meaning it never works, meaning that sometimes I don't go to sleep and it's easy. 
But I'm just saying, like typical. I'm giving an example of tonight, last night. Again, like, well, typical. If you do, if you are given the tools and you're able yeah. to implement the tools, 85 percent, it should be okay. easy and smooth. Okay, I, you know, like I said, so not, all not, of my recommendation is go to one person, do one yeah. on one. Don't take now a parenting group. Find out who does a parenting group that you like. Take six meetings. That's it. Six sessions, yeah. one on one, continuously, one a yeah. week or mm -hmm. every three days. Try it six times mm -hmm. and find out someone that's got experience that they're happy with. But it's got to be one on one, individualized for you. So I'm doing it someone who they're seeing. Let's say they see. So she, you know, so I would tell her the issue. Let's say I don't understand who they do. see, but maybe okay, that might be an option. Their therapist. Right. But this is a behavioral level, and I don't want to say sometimes therapists aren't that experienced in behavioral conditioning. Do you Par agree with the fact of telling a child why they have to go to sleep? Just curious. Like, do you think um, I am a believer in giving ago, also <laughs> the word is also the word is also yeah. not that the reason is going to get them because kids will not go to sleep when they understand okay. it. One of the things about kids are that yeah. there's a huge um, I shouldn't say distortion. There's a huge gap between their logic and their actions it means right. the kid will say I want to study. But in reality, they're going to play a whole time. Right. Right. So I yeah. am a believer and it's important to explain to kids why they need to okay. study. But you also yeah. need, to know, need to know how to master the behavioral skill, which is what you need now to say. And now you are going to study. So while you have the knowledge and information to take the theory into reality, it seems where you're having the difficulty, and it's not about an hour and a half of information. It's about an hour and a half of follow-up, how to do it. So it might just be a half hour twice a week of, let's say, three weeks, and then you've mastered the skill. So parenting is not only about information. It's about skill, and it's about shimush, about then going back to the person, how to implement the skill that you've learned. Okay. All right. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Excellent. Sure. Hatzlacha. Okay. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. We're going to take two, three questions now from the Lakewood Scoop, two, three of the text questions that came in. And then we're going to go back to your questions. So the number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. My 11-year-old is having a very hard time in school. He goes in a normal mainstream school, and instead of trying to make friends, he somehow knows how to make everyone hate him. He'll get into arguments with kids, and since he's very smart, he'll also make up stuff and state it as a fact. At home, he's really a good boy, but when his siblings look and talk, he cries to me more than his younger siblings. I can't tell him any small things nicely without him excusing himself and answering back. Not necessarily chutzpahdig. I've gone many... I've gone many times to parenting classes, but sometimes I can't bite my lips any longer. Um, here, the suggestion to this again, and please forgive me, is when I say this is one-on-one -on -one stuff that's needed. Either your kid needs therapy, which is an option that might happen where they just need to be able to deal with their emotions. That might be also, but the main issue that I find over here is your question is you need actual skills and guidance. So it doesn't mean I'm saying you need therapy because you need therapy. And I'm not talking about taking parenting classes. I'm talking about go to the parenting, those that do the parenting classes and do it individualized because anxiety, if you might have some stresses within, if you might have had times that you have a difficulty how people should listen to you or respect you, then that is a point that needs to be addressed, needs to be addressed one-on-one. -on -one. So when we do things one-on-one, -on -one, then there are big changes that, that happens within us. 
that we can go. We're going to take one more question from the Lakewood Scoop. My nine and a half year old wants to go to camp badly. He would love it. He's a very popular boy, but he has an older brother that also wants to go, but I'm very nervous of sending him since he's not responsible, still bedwets, and has very little confidence. What should I do? So nervous of him being ridiculed in camp. Okay, so let's make the assumption that you have a nine-year-old boy that wants to go to camp, and you have now another son, which is older, which has certain issues. He's not responsible, he's not ready for camp, and he bedwets. Let's take one issue at a time. Issue, what happens if you have a family, in a family, you got one person, is more, is the younger kid, let's say, is more successful, quote-unquote, in the outside world than the older kid? Number one, we need to realize that, yes, on certain levels, we need to hold back a little bit the younger kid. On the other hand, we need to let each kid learn and master their needs, which means the older kid needs to be worked on. What are their issues for them to be happy where they are? And you've got to let the younger kids do what they do. So the way to do that is not just, okay, younger kid is going and you're not going. Step one is we communicate with the older kid. The younger kid wants to go to camp. We want to send him. Will you be hurt? Will you be upset? Is that a problem? If the kid says, no, I don't like to go, but let him go, then problem solved. Now, there is a separate issue that you're bringing up over here. The older kid has got certain issues. Now, what do we do? Bedwetting. There are simple tools to work on that. There are, but you got to start asking the question first. Second point, you know, we'll just mention two minutes about that for bedwetting. There are... If you go online to Amazon or anywhere you'd like, there are certain machines that you can use for bedwetting that the minute the underwear get a little liquid wet, it starts ringing and it wakes up the kids and it trains the kids within a month. They're usually able to stop the bedwetting because it teaches the brain to wake up. The minute they do that, either the body will retain it because they know now they'll wake up or it trains them to do that. Step one. Step two is not to drink an hour or two before going to sleep. Number three, which is a lot more extreme, is there are certain a pill or a nasal spray that you could inhale. You do that for about a month, and the medical doctor needs to prescribe that. But it also stops and it helps many people. So there are several tools out there to stop bedwetting. He's not responsible. It sounds like this kid needs a little tools. And it sounds like you as the parent need the tools. How do you work? How do you help a kid that has some difficulty? So that is important for you, the parent, where I would recommend we speak to someone that has experience one-on-one not parenting groups, but one-on-one how to help your kids because they need more help, they need more skills on how to do it. So I appreciate those questions from the Lakewood Scoop. Thank you very much. The number to call in with your question or comment about either Purim or anything about the mental health field, that number is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. You're listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW, Mordechai Weinberger, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. And again, we are here to take your questions or comments along the mental health field. Let's go to one or two of the questions that I wanted to... Um, bring up. And this was sent over an hour ago, so I wonder if you're still listening. My 15-year-old son confided in me that he had purchased and tried an electric cigarette. I kindly asked him to give it to me, which he did. Now he's asking it back so he can sell it to a friend. I don't like the idea of children being busy with these objects. What do you suggest? So let's understand the... I want to actually first start with a positive. For a 15-year-old teenager to be open to his parents, let's make the assumption to his father, you get <laughs> clap. Why? There is a belief out there where I strongly disagree with, and that is that kids will not share points with their father. 
with their parents. They'll keep it secret. Not true. In healthy relationships of parents and kids, the kids, if the parents ask, if you have an open dialogue with the kids, kids will actually tell you everything. Kids will volunteer. Even deep, dark secrets, they'll do that with you. Yes, they will. Now, I'm sure some of you listening will say, right, but who said, maybe they'll keep something a secret. Of course they'll keep something a secret. They're humans, just like you keep secrets. Your wife might keep secrets. Not a lot, maybe just one, but certain things we keep private. And not even because it's a secret, just we don't feel comfortable. However, and this is the however, the big stuff actually will be shared. So if you've got a teenager that does not share with you big stuff, we got to work on your communication and your connection with your teenager. So let's start again. Give yourself credit. So you are a fantastic father on many levels that you would have your 15-year-old confide in you and tell you that. Now when you took it away or when you asked him to give it to you, he gave it to you is excellent. Now let's go to the next level, which is now continue the discussion with him. So explain to him experimentation is normal to want to try something. But it's also normal to realize certain things you try, certain things you don't experiment, because certain experiments are very dangerous. You're happy and positive that he shared it with you, and I'm even a big believer in giving a reward, not a reward as in, okay, you gave me this, but I'll give you something else. It's, you did something great. I feel I can trust you. Reward can be a compliment. Reward can be where you can share some personal information with your son, saying, now that you've acted responsible, I can treat you now more responsible. Let's understand that this is a huge positive that you've done. You can reinforce it with a reward of emotions or reward on physical, saying, wow, that's a big thing. I appreciate that. Now let's go to the next level. He wants it back so he can sell it further. Here is a next step of the opportunity in your chinuch um, education level is to teach if something that's not good for you, don't do to your friend. Don't do it. If smoking isn't healthy, even the electric cigarettes, they're not healthy. They just don't have some of the other addictions, which uh, the nicotine level, but it's got other stuff to it, which it's not healthy. So let's recognize that. Don't do it for someone else. Step one. Step two to teach him is, why do you want to do that? Maybe you laid out the money, you bought it, and you want back the money. Here's where I'm a big believer in parenting, where you tell him, here's the money for it. You laid out from your savings to it, you borrowed from a friend, I'm glad you gave it to me, and I'll even make it easier for you, I'll give you back the money. So I suggest that you discuss it with him, that something that's not good for you, don't do it for someone else. Don't be the shliach where you might cause someone else pain or difficulties or years of addiction. Even if he's smoking already, or you might rationalize, you want to help the guy to stop smoking, you don't want to get involved in any of these negative behaviors because somehow you might be blamed, somehow you can be at fault to that. If the issue is money, either way I believe you can give back your son the money that he laid out to that. So that question is a fantastic question, and I appreciate the point. The number to call in for your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Looking forward to taking that. Um, someone asked a question, what do I think, and this is really belongs to a Rav, but if someone wants to dress in a, in a costume that the costume is not a tznius subject. So we're not talking about over here where the person will not be dressed tznius, but it doesn't look that good. What do I think? And this, I believe, needs to go to a rav. A, B, we want to identify, and here's where I feel this is a secret, and sometimes I do it with many people. Um, again, for those that might watch movies, for those that listen to certain music songs, I go, which story, which song touches you? If you want to know what's going on inside, you look at that. 
so you can find out, wow, which song do you like? I like listening to A.B. Rottenberg songs. I like listening to uh, to different Gedolim. They have some of the Yiddish songs where there's a lot of hearts. Is it about someone being nifter? Is it about what will be what he is nifter? Who will be? The, I miss the Rabbi Shlom. The Rabbi Shlom is, is in Golis. There's no base on Migdosh. You start finding out the insides, loneliness. I had one person which played to me a certain a certain Goyish song, but it's all about loneliness, and it's all about if one person would just do that, and we were able to, that was able to be the lead-in to help for our sessions. So when I asked the person, why are you here, besides that your parents are sending you, I don't know what I need, I don't know what's really going on. But one thing that we need to realize is that this point, that songs, these are options in the way to get in. So I would now do with this person, what is going on in you that you want to dress like that? And that's something that I would focus on. Use this as an opportunity because to dress in that way, what's happening? We want to be able to identify that. Um, we're going to go to Sarah. Sarah, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yeah, hi. Um, so last night when I was putting my son to sleep, he's four and a half. Wait, um, well, okay, so um, I'm just going to take this now, and please understand that we're not taking questions, sorry that I wasn't clear, we're not taking questions under the age, about children under the age of nine, because most of the questions are just need to give a lot more skill than I can do in five minutes, it's skill that's needed, so it's, it's about bedtime uh -huh. parenting questions, unless it's no, something it's else not, about it's that. Not, it's, not, it's not bedtime, it was just that he was um, very nervous that no one's going to be there tomorrow in school because the Rebbe's not being there. So I was under the impression, of course, the Rebbe's being there. Anyways, when I brought him to school today, he's not there, and I waited around for about a half hour. They probably did have a substitute. But why would a kid, how would a kid know about this beforehand? First of all, Rebbe can say, I won't be in tomorrow. And there'll be a substitute tomorrow. Rebaim can say that. Why would they tell a four-year-old? It would just get a four-year-old very nervous. Really? Why would it get a four-year-old nervous? I'm not going to be in tomorrow. We're going to have a substitute. Um, I don't know, because they don't... I don't know, little kids don't always like change. All right, so here's where the question comes in, and that's, again, why we don't really take the questions under that. And it's okay. It's a fantastic, it's a good question, but not what we're going to be addressing. You know, if you do it on a, uh, an older kid, the first thing is, if you tell, uh, you know, a nine-year-old, guess what? There's trouble. The whole class is going to make trouble if they know something. Okay, so there are a lot of assumptions that are going on. And it's just too long to address now. So that's, again, the reason why we'll still stick to our principles, that if anyone would like to ask a parenting question, um, please keep it to ages 8 and above. And I appreciate the question, but it's just not the target that I wish to address that question right now. Okay. Thank you very much for calling in. I appreciate that. The number to call in, we just had several people that will get to your questions. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And we will take your question. Um, or comment. Um, let's go ahead to take this one question that came in because this person has asked the question several times. Um, the question is as follows. Thanks tons. I gained a lot of insight from your programs. I have a difficulty accepting my husband's decisions because it, oils it all boils down to cost. If it costs, no. If it's free, why not? And the continuation is children have and they're stressed about getting their wants and needs because everything um, happens about... Let me just finish this. Text is a lot. Um, no. 
else because everything is about money, so therefore they are having a difficulty. Okay. This is a major Sholomai's issue. This is not an issue really about, about your children, which means, yes, your children are not respecting your husband now because of that, but this is an issue where you and your husband need to work out this issue. So you as a wife need to get more assertive, need to, and I'm not telling you to do this, this has to be done with a Rav and with a therapist, because if this has been going on for a while, you're already in the trap or in the game of not being able to get it. So you need to learn to be more assertive to be able to explain what is appropriate, what is not appropriate. And that is how to say money is a necessity. Some people are naturally cheap. Some people are not. But usually, it, or not usually, it can be a disorder. It can also be a shalom bias issue where the husband doesn't want to give. It's a lot more complicated than your question, but you've asked the question so many times. So that's what's going on over here. The number to call in, we will take one more caller, is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. I have a 14-year-old girl, she's very, mess, she's very messy, doesn't put her stuff where they belong. What can I tell her? Thanks and thanks for your shows, they're amazing. Um, can I have your number to reach you? Um, the Rabbi will help. There are there are good therapists out there, so there's no real real reason to reach me. And this is really relatively again skills, which is a large part what I was saying. Part of my dream, part of my goal is to Hashem, put the system two separate. I'm not calling them parenting systems. They're more skills system for parents to have how to deal with the kids ages, let's say two to twelve, and then from ages ten to eighteen to twenty, because that's important that we can want to that we would want to work on and there are skills that we actually can do so we got you you called earlier we'll take you back again mike mike on line one you will probably yes, be the I last caller for tonight yes mike hello i have a 14 year old son he just he, he doesn't he has like no interest in going to minion anymore for some reason as much as i push him just doesn't want to get up to that and shop with the minion yes now let's get a little bit more information here Right. Does it? So, do, how's uh, he doing in school? In school, he's doing fine. I'm saying, at school, the minion's optional. He doesn't really have to go there, so he just. But instead, he chooses just to not go at all to any minion. Not not in school, not in school. He just puts on filling at home for like a few minutes, and then in school, he does just fine. So I don't. He oh. says, why, why wake up earlier if he could just sleep longer? Now, let me ask you this question. Is this the only issue that you have with him, or you're having a lot of issues in the same area of behavioral training where he's got to do homework or where he's got to do certain stuff and he's not really listening, like only no, when you push him? Fine. Everything he's fine. It's just that it's just davening. He really, he really doesn't daven so well. I don't know. Okay. So, I, mm -hmm. so there are two ways of addressing this. And not really two ways, I believe in both ways need to be addressed. Number one is to start explaining, to get information, the importance of tefillah b'tzibur. So you can go to the farm stores and get a little safer, so you can be prepared or speak to a Rav, what is the godless of tefillah b'tzibur? The Rabbi Shalom listens to the tefillah so much more, because we need to understand that kids and adults need to be inspired when we do something. We need to understand why we do it. If we do things just for the sake of doing it, after a while, what's the big deal if I don't do it? Part two, which is the important part, is we also need to learn how to be able to do behavioral, saying, I understand you might not want to do this now, but it's my job as a parent and your job as a bacher to do it. 
and you got to learn how to do things. So, so certain things we don't want to do, but you'll understand later on the importance of that. So going to Minion is important. I train you, and let's understand something that is not trained. It's a concept that they have in the military that is something that is not trained. If it's important to us, the generals, we have to have a way that we train them that they will do it. Not everything needs to be understood. Somehow, today's generation, which is fantastic that we've taught awareness, and we want to give our kids the ability to be able to verbalize, say their feelings, say their thoughts, but at the same time, we also need to create the level of following, listening. Not everything has to be because I understand. No, it used to be, unfortunately, 90% you must listen, you must do without understanding. And unfortunately, the system was not good. That's why we changed it. The amount of depression, anxiety, people going off was scary. There's a reason why we're giving the love, why we're giving the awareness. But at the same time, we've forgotten how to do behavioral. We're afraid to do behavioral. Oh, the kids won't like it. The kids will have certain things. And that's not accurate. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's perfect. Thanks so much for your help. You're welcome. Thank you for the question. How much longer do we have exactly? Okay, so good. Let me see that. So we've got one minute left. So therefore... Just turn the screen my way so I could see the timer. So let's just take a quick sum up that we had. We had a lot of questions at the beginning about peer pressure, social pressure of Purim, and as well as the drinking. And yes, the parents, yes, we can get up and we can do something. I've also asked because we, I feel it's a, we need to start the campaign of having appropriate for our from level. If someone wants to have a shot or two, first make sure it's legal for the kid to be able to have it. But also I'm okay with having a little bit of a looseness. But the drinking that's going on is unhealthy. It is dangerous, literally dangerous. People are going to the hospital. There are damages sometimes for children, for teenagers months after that. There are also physical violence where the military, where the police get involved. So if there are any Hatsala members or liaisons, I'd like you to call this way we can follow up for next week on what's happening my email address is winnerformula at gmail.com thank you all for listening i appreciate it looking forward to being with you next week on air